Wow. Lord, we do praise you, and what a joyful noise. We just are so pleased to raise up to you and to declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as a family of Christ, we gather to celebrate the gift you've given us in your Son. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us Christmas and all that it means because you left heaven to die on a cross in our place. You were born to die that we might live. And so we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, let's give a hand for these guys. They did a great job. Have a seat. Relax. Am I doing that right? Am I on the... Okay, good, good, good. They just tell me where I'm supposed to go and I do what I'm supposed to do. They gave me a few moments to share with you... um, a message for Christmas, and uh, as I was contemplating what to share, um, I thought about uh, the idea of the door, and I don't know where I got that idea from. No, I'm kidding. They gave it to me. <laughs> uh, the passage um, that, uh, that they all came up with, and I was so blessed by it, it's out of John chapter 10. Let me read it to you. I'll put it in context. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Some of you right now probably don't understand what he's talking about. Well, as a result, then it says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door, speaking of himself, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. That's where we get our passage this evening. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. As we contemplate this passage... Uh, I was moved by the idea of a door. A door is a portal or an entryway. As I thought about this concept, I've thought about doors that have opened to me in the course of my life, and people who've opened those doors for me and how grateful I am for them. Uh, one in particular, my wife, uh, just, just yesterday, and, and she was emphatic about this, and she's much like her mother in this regard. She loves to have the family together. And uh, maybe I'm, I come from a, a different background. Well, my when we got of 18 years of age, my parents were like, why are you still here? And, uh, <laughs> and for us to get together was always, you know, jabbing and difficult. And, and yet when my mother-in-law would put together an event to bring the family together, it was always a highlight of, of her year. She loved to see the family together. She loved to serve them, still does. My wife has taken on that same desire and so she thought it a great idea to open up this door for the family to come together to go to San Diego to watch uh, the Navy, uh, Naval Academy football team play San Diego State. 
because my son wants to go to the Naval Academy. That's a goal that he has. And uh, she thought it'd be so great. We could all go down to San Diego and we're both from Navy families and we could all gather and we'd get tickets. And, and the tickets, you know, I, I received a cashectomy purchasing the tickets and it was just really... <laughs> And then she was saying, maybe we could stay in a hotel. And I'm like, okay, cha-ching. Okay, all I'm seeing is money, not family. I, it, that just doesn't equate to me. And I'm going to be away from my home. I want to be in my house. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be around anyone. I certainly don't want to be in a stadium filled with 35,000 other people. And, um, and yeah, I like Navy, but I, I, it, it's college football. It's not like professional football. It's just not the same. And it's not even good college football. It's just football. And so I, I agreed to that. And... Um, and then as everyone was starting, we were trying to land the planes at LAX, getting everyone together to go down to San Diego, you know, and, and everyone was coordinating their calendars. We went down there and, and I just, long drive and we hit traffic on the way down and we get to the stadium, we, we get to the hotel, we get a great deal on a hotel. We go into, my sister worked that out and as we're, we're there, I'm thinking, let's just take a nap for a while. She goes, no, I want to get there early so we can get to the, the tailgate things and do all the, I'm like, let's take a nap. Let's, uh, you know, it's... It, but, but she opened this door and we went to the game. And I got to tell you, first of all, I was expecting it to be an awful game. It was so exciting. I, Navy won 17-16. Last 20 seconds of the game, they're about to lose it. Six yards out, uh, San Diego State couldn't get it into the goal line, so they had to kick a field goal to win the game. And the guy shanked it and missed it. <laughs> so actually, it's not so, much, it's not so much that Navy won. San Diego State certainly lost is what would happen. But we were all just hoarse, and we were screaming the whole time, and we drove home, uh, we, we, and we went to go find a place to eat late at night, 11 o'clock, walking. It was just so delightful, and the family loved it. My wife was thrilled. And, and she opened up, every time she does this, I don't want to do it, but she opens up a door, and, and the minute I walk through it, I'm pleased and blessed. My parents opened up a door for love for this country. My parents opened up a door for manners. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen people who've gone before me in my life. I, Coach Mike Troy opened up a door for discipline. Uh, all these different areas in my life that people have opened doors. But here, this evening, as you're gathering for a Christmas message, behind me is a door. And that door represents the passage of which we just read. Jesus said, I am the door. We read the beginning of the passage, and much like the people who heard it the first time, many don't, didn't understand it this evening. And so Jesus went on to explain in greater detail, and he just said, I am the door. I want you to know that. I am the door. Uh, and, and, and all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't hear them. You've been drawn here because something drew you. You heard something. And we, and we talk about the sights and the sounds and the smells of Christmas, and, and you, you smell the pine needles, and, and you, you hear the familiar Christmas songs, and, and, and the, the, the sights of the lights and everything draws you. And it's a, it's, it's a sensual idea of, of the senses of the human body being engaged to bring you to a place where you're focusing on something that is eternal and transformative and so absolutely necessary. It is actually the one thing in life that you need to know more than anything else. Who is the door and what is the door and what is that portal? And what's the point? And everyone tries to lead you to another door. I remember... Um, watching, uh, uh, oh gosh, what was the show? Um, let's make a deal. Do you remember that? Monty Hall. And he had behind door number one, door number two, or door number three. And if it was me, I'd pick the door and be some pig, you know, with 30 pounds of manure sitting in the, and that's what I'd win. I'd lose the new car. And, and you're, but you're looking here and you're looking where are the other doors? There's only one. There's only one door. You know, Jesus said, in this idea of I am the door, he used the personal pronoun I. I, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the door. 
The word I is just this idea that he excludes everybody else and everything else. You guys have tried everything. We all have. You've tried church. Some of you have given up on it. You've tried other religions. For some reason or another, you're here. I know why you're here. You may not. But Jesus said, I am the door. And when he says that, he excludes everything and everybody else. Christianity is exclusive. Truth is exclusive. Two plus two is four. And hence, you know, although the church is a divine institution or divine estate, it is not the door. And a lot of you have been burned out of Christ because you, you had a bad experience at a church. The church isn't the door. Jesus said, I am the door. Preachers. Preachers, although they're supposed to point people to hear about Christ, sometimes we fail. Probably fail more times than we succeed. And I'm thankful that I'm not the door. I would screw that up big time. And you may have been burned by a preacher. But remember this, the preacher's not the door and the church isn't the door. Maybe it's the rules and the regulations or the ordinances or the commandments of Christ that you've struggled to keep and you've, you've failed in your attempt to try to keep those commandments. Well, remember this, although they're given by God, they're not the door. Jesus said, I am the door. Maybe you tried to be a good person and you figured, I don't need the church, I can do this on my own. And you went out on this venture of trying to be a good person. And you know when the day's done and if you were to take an inventory of your life, this is, you haven't been all that successful. I mean, we think about that. What are the thought life and all the things that we deal with in our own lives? And if we were taking an inventory, just ask the people that we're closest to, have we really done a good job of, of obtaining good works? And, and, as, and as wonderful as good works are, and they're to be enjoined on, upon believers, and that we're to, we do good works not, because, not to be saved, but because we are saved, and it is, in a sense, evidence of salvation, these good works. But remember this, good works is not the door. The Lord himself is the door. There's no other. He says in John 14, 6, no man comes to the Father but by me. It's written, there is salvation in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in Acts 4, 12. When Jesus said, I am, the word am deserves serious consideration. When he was exclusive saying I, and then he goes on to say am, he didn't say I was the door. He didn't say I will be the door. He said, I am the door. It's the idea that it's the present, the right now. There's a door open to you tonight. It's the Christmas door. And all the sounds and all the sights and all the smells have directed you to the door. And it's a present door. It's not a past door. It's not a coming door. It's a door for right now. Jesus said, come now. Enter now. We find in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, today is the acceptable day of salvation. When he said, I am the, just stop on the word the or the. It's to be noticed. Jesus didn't say, I am a door. He said, I am the door. He didn't say, I am a door, though there are many doors. There's only one behind me. You know, they used to say all roads lead to London or lead to Rome. Everyone thinks that all doors lead to heaven. They don't. I would say that all religions lead to God, but they don't lead to heaven. The Bible says it's appointed once for man to die, then judgment. We'll stand before God regardless of what religion we practice. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Isaiah even declared it in forty-five twenty-two. He said, there's none else. 
It's only Jesus. Matthew 17, 8, no man saves. It's only Jesus who saves. The word door is appealing in its simplicity, as I said earlier. It's the idea that it's an entrance or a portal or a means of access. How do you get through that door? How do you get through this door? Jesus is an entrance for all of us this evening unto salvation, primarily. Secondly, he's the entrance, the portal, unto peace, unto eternal life, unto glory, heaven, more importantly, our eternal home. It's fitting that he should be the door. He's the one who died for our sins, that he might bring us to God, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It was his blood, his precious blood, that was shed for the remission of our sins, Ephesians 1, 7. He's been raised from the dead and is the first fruit from those who've slept, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. He alone is worthy to be able to say, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Now, the simplicity of salvation, you have to enter through him. Jesus is the entry. He's the door. You don't come by the law. You don't come by good works. You don't come by your character. You don't come by your conduct. You don't come by your money. Jesus says you come by me. By me. And what I love about it is he says... I am the door if anyone enters by me. Anyone. Any person. Man, woman, girl, boy. Anyone. Anyone here tonight, the door is waiting for you. He is the door. And if you enter into that door, you shall be saved. The door is wide open. You have an invitation. We know that because he said in Matthew 11, Come unto me. All you are burdened and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I thought about this passage of scripture when it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In the explanation to all the, the folks present, he was talking about this idea that, that the sheep hear his voice and, and they reject the voice of the thief and the robber, the one who comes in another way. We, we all heard the story about the woman who got stuck in the man's chimney, right? Wasn't that a great story? And they had to dismantle the chimney. I was thinking it would have been a fitting time for that man while she was stuck in that chimney to read to her out of John chapter 10. Just saying. (laughs) But the idea is the sheep hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name. The Bible says a good name is like a precious fragrance, better is the day of a man's death than the day of his birth. When you were born, you were given a name. And God calls you by that name this evening. Every one of you was given a name. He longs that that name would be established and written in the Lamb's Book of Life as we studied on Sunday. He wants your name to be established to ring through the halls of eternity. He wants you to walk through this portal, through this entrance, through this door unto eternal life. Everyone who's ever gone before you, wherever you've been going, whatever doors you've been walking through and playing, let's make a deal, even ending up with a pig and some manure. And God wants to give you a door to eternal life. He uses this idea of appealing to your, your hearing. You hear his voice. You're hearing it now. You're stirred. You're listening. I can tell. I've been doing this a long time. And I'm grateful for the attentiveness. But you're hearing it. 
Now, the beauty of it is, as though you hear it now, one of the interesting things is that in the earlier portion of the passage, we were reading out of John 10, but what went before it was John chapter 9. I, I just know that. That's how I figure those things out. Nine goes. But here he's appealing to your hearing. And in 9, he was appealing to sight. You see, he just healed a blind man. And the Pharisees were shocked by it. And they didn't want the blind man anywhere around because it was testimony. Everyone had seen this blind man. They knew he was blind and now he was healed and he kept giving you know, all of the accolades to Christ. And they kept saying, well, was he blind because of his parents' sin or your sin? He says, I don't know. I have any idea what you're talking about theologically. All I know is I couldn't see and that guy over there healed me. His name's Jesus. And so they kicked him out of the synagogue and they kicked him out of fellowship. And when Jesus heard this in John chapter nine, Jesus heard that they'd cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? This is a man who was blind. He said, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said, who is he? Lord, that I may believe in him. It's interesting. He was standing right in front of him. He couldn't see him. He once was blind and now he sees physically and he's still blind. Like many of us this evening. The door's right in front of you. You just can't seem to see it. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. This is God's word. That's why it's piercing your heart. It's living, it's breathing. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be blind. You think you see the world as it is, but you don't. You see, we've, we've come to a place where we, we hear the gospel and we've seen the gospel. We've heard the sounds of Christmas. We've seen the beauty of the lights of Christmas. Our, our senses are being moved by this season and why we're here. And we're looking with our eyes at a door. We've heard the music that has proclaimed a, a, a savior, a Messiah, a child who, who was born to die that we might live. But I also think of the smells of Christmas. I walked into the sanctuary and, and I love the smell of the fresh trees. And this is the first year we've done a fresh tree and, um, in a long time and our home smells lovely you come through the door and we have a wreath on the tree and it smells lovely i walked into the hotel lobby and it had trees and just that smell just brings me to a place where it's just pleasant it's amazing that the olfactory sense the sense of smell is the strongest for memory recollection it brings us right to that place when i smell a roast in the oven i think of the christmas season there's just something special about it all it's interesting because in John chapter 9, Jesus used sight, and then in John 10, he used sound, and then in John chapter 11, he uses smell. And I would say that these are the sights, sounds, and smells of Christmas, and we'll conclude with John 11. One of the passages in John 11 is Martha, and I want to conclude with Martha this evening because Martha was a busy woman, very busy woman. Like all of us during the Christmas season, we're exceptionally busy. I know how exhausting it is. I know how tiring it is. The dread of putting up Christmas lights and then taking them down, putting up Christmas and taking it down. Gifts. And it just seems to creep up on you and you didn't even see it coming. And you're overwhelmed. And then you get gifts and you realize I didn't get something for somebody and you're worried about it all. And you know the story. Martha was, that woman would have done a good Christmas. She would have worked tirelessly. Her house would have been resplendent. I mean, the decorations. She would have pushed her family. They would have been in order. Their kids would have had Christmas sweaters. I mean, the cookies would have been, it would have been epic. 
Martha would have been a good Christmas woman. But her brother was dying. She struggled because Jesus said to her one time in the midst of all of it, she said, Mary won't help me. Tell her to help me. And, and Jesus turns and said, Mary's sitting at my feet and you should be doing the same thing, basically. She's chosen the, the better thing. Martha, calm down. You've been so busy about Christmas, you haven't spent any time with me. It's like having a birthday party, as we said, Sunday for your two-year-old and you decide to leave the two-year-old with your, your mother and celebrate with your friend. And what kind of a birthday party is, is, is it for your child when the child's not even present? Well, that's what we do at Christmas. It's his birthday and we don't even invite him. We're too busy to invite him. Martha came to a crisis of faith and it all came through the sense of smell. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? He said. Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who has come into the world. She was a believer. She had confessed Christ, but the stench of death created a disbelief, and she was overcome by the stench of death. Her world was turned upside down like many of ours during Christmas, and it's a rough time for many, especially after a hard year. The passage goes on, Jesus and again groaning to himself as he came to the tomb of Lazarus. You see, Martha was in a crisis of faith because her brother Lazarus was dead. Jesus could have come, and he didn't. And Lazarus had been dead four days, four days. Any of you who work around bodies understand that the stench after four days is not pleasant. Jesus was groaning in verse 38, and he came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to Jesus, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead four days. What are you doing? I believe you. But the stench is evidence that my world is gone and my brother is dead. You can't fix this, God. And the stench of this year and the struggles of your life will be overcome by the smells of Christmas. The sights and the sounds and the smells of Christmas as they did for Martha. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing that I say this, that they may believe, Lord, would you show them that you sent me? And now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He called that sheep by name. Lazarus knows the master's voice. And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Set him free from death that he might have life and life more abundant. The grave couldn't hold Lazarus when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And I'll tell you what, Martha believed to be the stench of death became the smell of Christmas. The power of a savior to resurrect us from the stench of death to eternal life through the portal of the glory of heaven. That in him is life and life more abundant. I close with this final text. 
You see, for some of you this evening, you've never met the Lord. And Jesus said, I am the door, I'm the portal unto eternal life. Today is the day of salvation, this evening. There's only one door, and it's Jesus. And he wasn't the door, he is the door. It's now. This is Christmas. With the sights and the sounds and the smells of Christmas, you've been drawn to this place. You can't keep your eyes off that red door behind me. Because you know that this is what it's all about. He opens it and invites you in. He says, come unto me, all you who are tired of the stench of death. I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. In a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Christ. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. It is an act of faith, just like with the blind man and like with Martha. You must believe that his death upon the cross paid the penalty for your sins, past, present, and future, and he is the entrance to heaven. He's the only one who can take care of all of your sins and cleanse you and wash you as white as snow. But for some of you this evening, you're Christians just like Martha and you're tired. And this has been anything but a pleasant year for you as a Christian. And if you're being put on trial for being a Christian, I don't know if there'd be enough evidence to convict you. It's been a rough year. Trust me, I know the feeling. There's been seasons of this year that I wish I could do over. And it's amazing how you can get so busy with things that you think matter that really don't. And then one day you turn around and you realize I just haven't spent any time with the Lord. So you've already walked through the portal. You're, you're in a relationship with the Lord, but you're distant. Your heart's hard. Somewhere along the line, you closed the door and you didn't allow him access into certain areas of your life. And that's where he writes in Revelation 3.20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. What's fascinating about this passage is it wasn't written for non-believers. It was written for Christians, the church at Laodicea. Jesus spoke these words to folks who already knew him. They were followers of Christ who had their priorities all mixed up. They lost focus of, of the one who was standing at the door. They'd taken their eyes off of Jesus. Just like when Jesus knocked at the door of Martha's house. She warmly welcomed him into her home, but not into her heart. She became distracted. She was overwhelmed by all that was in front of her, and she didn't see the one thing she needed to be with and to be focused on Jesus. You see, not only is this a door into salvation for those who've never received Christ as their Savior, but for the believers tonight who've had a Martha experience and you're tired, it's the door to restore. It's time to focus on Jesus. That's why we're here. For a moment. Do you feel the peace? Isn't this pleasant? Now some of you are thinking, the roast is burning. says let it burn I want your heart to burn for me I want you to trust me I want you to give me your life all of it 
for me and I pray for you that this will be a coming year of devotion. That we will be with and focused on Jesus. No more Marthas. And for those of you who've never met the Lord, step through the door with us. This is why you're here. Your whole life was for this moment. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, Jesus said to the blind man, you must believe. He said to Martha, do you believe? And each of them had to make a decision. I'm going to let you make that decision tonight. The Lord wants you to make that decision. Today's a day of salvation. The door's here. Today's a day to walk through it. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Jesus said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. It's that simple. He's already taken care of all of your sin because his blood was shed on the cross for the remission of your sins. His righteousness is being ready to be put on your account if you would but by faith receive him tonight. And to receive him, the act of faith is simply going to be by the raising of your hand in just a moment. Now this is a decision that is the most important decision of your life. This is what Christmas is all about. If you want to receive Christ, step through that portal, through that entryway into a relationship with the living God who created you to have a relationship with him. I want you right now, by faith, to believe in him and raise your hand right now. Raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you and you and you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you over here. Over here, God bless you. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down now. If through my frail eyes I happen to miss you, I want you to know something. God sees you. He's been waiting for this day all your life. Lord, thank you for those who've given their heart to you. We ask God that you would give them a supernatural love for your word and a heart to proclaim it, that they would serve you all the days of their life. And then finally, for those who are Martha's tonight, you're tired. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. It's time to let him in. Let's quit being so busy that we forget why we're here. This is a year where we want to be with him and focused on him. And so if that's your heart tonight, Give it wholly to him in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.